0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two
1: months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
0: Just say it! (laughs) Say my name! Prime time, baby! say it, say my name. Just <laughs> say it, say my name. Crime <laughs> well,
2: time, baby. Crime well, time, Hello baby. and welcome back to Grapple Roundtable, where this, this particular episode, off delayed, but finally it's here in before the end of Christmas. And today we're gonna be looking at a nice, relaxed look back at TNA slash impact. It'll always be TNA to me, damn it. And for us, this show today, we have two amazing guests. Our first guest, very much a uh, much uh, sought after broadcaster, raconteur, one of the hosts of the Kings of Sports podcast. Uh, host of the Black Lightning podcast and regular contributor to Post
0: Wrestling, we have brother Nate Milton. How are you? What's going on, brother? I'm doing well. Like I'm, I'm excited for this man. It feels almost like like TNA gut check, and I don't I don't know right now if I'm gonna be Taylor Hendricks oh. uh, or or if I'm gonna be uh, you know Lady Topper. All I know is I sure as hell am not gonna be Joey Ryan. Like no, I'm not gonna be Joey Ryan here on this gut check, brother.
2: Oh. Oh, Joey, right. I just, I can remember Brian Cage not being signed, watching it, looking at him getting angry about it, just thinking, why did you do that? <laughs> oh, there is so much of that stuff that hopefully we're going to get into as well. And joining us for this journey, we have someone who actually covered a lot of TNA in uh, for Pro Wrestling Torch with Alan Coonan and Dan Galazzo. He is ex-wrestling referee, but he is forever the biggest TNA and Jeff, Jeff Jarrett fan the man in a fantastic TNA hoodie as I'm looking. Eddie Sideburns.
1: How are you, sir? I'm doing uh I'm doing a uh, fantastic. Um this has been honestly the chat with Alan and Galazzo was so good. I have just waited to chat TNA shit with you, my man. Ah. Uh and put over Jeff Jarrett so many times um for being quite possibly oh. wrestling's greatest carny act of all time. Um and a man that even cockroaches would kind of bow down at his feet um, because just how the longevity of his career within wrestling.
2: Well, let, let's start with him it, because it's impossible to kind of talk about uh, yeah. TNA slash impact without going into Jeff Jarrett. And I say this as spoiler alert, I've got a, a long form series looking into six degrees of Jeff Jarrett coming up, <laughs> um, which when going through his cage match career, he is linked to everyone. He's gotten paid by everyone. He's an incredible force of nature. I mean, actually, before we go into Jeff Jarrett, I do want to ask you both quickly. So, uh, uh, Nate, when did you first um, start watching TNA? When did you fall into it?
0: It's funny because, you know, you said you can't talk about TNA without talking about Jeff Jarrett, and that Mm. is 100% accurate. I think you also can't talk about TNA without talking about, The period that spawned it, which is the end of the Monday Night Wars. WWF is victorious. uh, Eric Bischoff's last minute Hail Mary ploy to try to save WCW falls through and Vince and company by WCW for pennies on the dollar. And because of that acquisition. There's a lot of people who get opportunities and who get work. And there's certain individuals who know there's no chance in hell that they're (laughs) going to get work in Stanford. And, And one of those people is Jeff Jarrett. And so, you know, I was always a big WCW fan, you know, being born in Atlanta, growing up in Virginia. WCW, the NWA, that was my brand. And so I think like a lot of people, after WCW folded, you know, you're looking like, where, where am I going to go next? What's the promotion that I'm going to hitch my wagon to? You know, because I, I gave WWF uh, a little bit of my time. And and then after the invasion, I kind of took a sabbatical <laughs> from yeah. watching them because it was just like, yeah, like there, there was no reason for me to invest in that product. And so I stumbled onto TNA. And so, like, I wasn't watching from the very beginning, from that very first uh Wednesday night pay-per-view, I believe they were doing mm. they were doing it on Wednesdays. Uh, I didn't see, like, the first few months, but I'd say maybe December, uh, either December of 01. I, was it 01 or 02? It's, it's somewhere around there. But uh, mm. I'd say maybe 10 or 11 episodes after the launch of TNA is when I kind of got hip to it. You know, I, I heard good things and bad things. And that's kind of the story. Of TNA, uh, brother. It's like the best of times, the worst of times, all at the same damn time. And that's TNA.
2: Absolutely. It really is, isn't it? I see, Eddie, you're shaking your head. Was it a similar story for you, mate?
1: I think it was because obviously you had the likes of 1PW here in the UK um, and they were bringing over a lot of TNA talent. And then I remember a company called World Wrestling All-Stars um, oh. did a tour. Um, <laughs> and they did a show in Glasgow, and I didn't go to it because I I was too young at the time, and I just couldn't remember. I remember, still, obviously, hearing about it, seeing the wrestlers that were on, it, and it was pretty much if you as as Nate was saying, if you had absolutely zero chance of working in Connecticut, or as uh, Vince said in that live promo, uh, when he said double G, double O, double N, double E, <laughs> gone yeah. uh, about Jeff, um that was just, and then I think one PW and then I think I said it, it was the wrestling channel for me because the wrestling channel had only just kind of came about. And my grand was the only person in my family who had kind of the television that had wrestling channel. And then it was Christian's debut in TNA that first got me into it. And I was Mm. like, Holy crap. Um, Because obviously you didn't see anyone jump massively that kind of way. It was you were in WWE or you were probably working the independence at that point. Um, and then I just kind of got into it from there and just kind of learning all about the history and the backstory of TNA. Um, and then obviously with Impact Plus, you can now watch uh, The Greatest Legends of All Time and Cheeks. If it's um, working. <laughs> if it's working. Yes, there's a massive thing when you go on mm. that's like an entire paragraph of we're trying to fix it, we've moved over. <laughs> um, which is, to be fair, if it's broken, then it's classic TNE, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, on brand. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like they could try everything. It's like we're moving on to this network, and it's not really going to work. And then we're going to move on to this network after everything. So, if our on-demand system isn't working, then you know at least it's better than Ring of Honor's, which is non-existent. Mm. Um, oh, I know that um, was
2: so bad back in the day and i wanted yeah. to order their their eye pay-per-views and i would just be livid after half an hour and go right i'm not doing this and then i remember ordering... one and not wanting to get one
1: i remember ordering some of roh's pay-per-views in like 2010 2011 best of the world and stuff like that mm. and just thinking to myself and then they would like read out your tweets if you were tweeting about it and stuff like that and then i just remember the system and the formula for how that kind of Page looked for me to order an iPay per view was just so confusing, um, <laughs> and yeah, so kind of t i so one PW and kind of a new one PW is bringing stuff over and then kind of saw stuff like that and then from the wrestling channel kind of developed from there and then I've been a long suffering TNA fan ever since and kind of <laughs> kind of I am I am kind of as like off and on the wagon at times but um, it just still it's a it's a it's a it's, company that needs so much to talk about really. It is. And
2: we can't, I mean, in some ways, it's like, you think to yourself, I want to do a round table on TNA. And you go, where do you start? There's so much to kind of go over historically. And as much as it's like, it, it's funny, because I kind of go into the the way very similar to you, Nate, in the sense that over here, we had WCW on ITV, so one of the big channels in mid-afternoon mm. on a Saturday. So it was like part of my childhood. And you're like, oh, okay, brilliant. And I was able to watch it. And then I was into it and, went to a house show there was a thousand people at Earl's Court it was like it was shocking that's like a 12,000 seat a building Oof. and they were giving four <laughs> tickets for the price of one for the next night yeah but it was crazy um i think the main event had Lex Luger versus PN News anyway uh, <laughs> classic classic <laughs> some seri- serious stuff going on there but um the yeah, master
0: that- of the torture rack versus the master of the tortured raps hard. Oh, <laughs> Do you know, he was
2: wrestling over here in the UK for, for quite some time afterwards, Nate. PN News. Somehow carrying around the scene. This is into the early to mid-2000s, I think. Oh, wow. Which, yeah. There was someone I didn't expect to bring up, but here we are. <laughs> um, I, like, I found that like I was a big WCW fan, and I was never, that, I was never as engaged with WWF slash WWE as Ooh. it went on. And I think the whole end of the Monday Night Wars, I had such a bad taste in my mouth. Because even at its worst, I wanted WCW to turn it around. I just, I wanted that different product. Because even as a young kid, it was like this realisation of, I don't want wrestling just to be like WWF. So Mm. then when you get something like TNA comes in, and if I remember rightly, there was one other promotion. I had a very, like one show full storm called MECW, Main Event Championship Wrestling. It was a proper carny guy, He had Sabu, he had Kurt Hennig on there, and then they folded after a show because he didn't pay anyone. Which, you know, of course that (laughs) happened. But that's that's how I ended up being drawn into sort of TNA um, first of all. And I think there was this idea that you know we'd had exposure in the UK to USWA, Mm. and I was wondering for you guys, the appeal of it. Is it like me? Is it as much to do with the kind of wrestling styles, and rather than the kind of i don't know like what what was the thing that kind of grabbed you when you watched this that that it was giving you perhaps what you what you weren't getting from wwf or wwe i should say
0: i think the interesting thing with tna at the time was that it was everything to everyone, but simultaneously, like nothing to all of us. <laughs> yeah, where you know it, it had, like you were, you know, you mentioned the USWA. It had a bit of that Southern wrestling heritage, you know, woven through the fibers of the company. You had noticeable stars, whether they were past their prime or not, in the company, like a Ken Shamrock, like a Kurt Hennig. Uh, you know, in those early days, Scott Hall. Uh, you know, you had up and coming talent who maybe were in the WWE and then for whatever reason, didn't work out and were getting their kind of second chance, like a Ron Killings, you know, in those Mm -hmm. early days of the NWA. And then you had the X Division, which was kind of always the bread and butter, always the nucleus through which everything kind of swirled around, whether the company valued it or not. Because we see one one of the most constant things about TNA is that It's always in a state of flux, depending on who's booking, depending on who's in charge, who's signing the checks, depending on who's the biggest star there. And so at various times, the X Division was made to be like the most important title in the company. And then there's times where it's a complete afterthought. And so when we talk about like what drew me to TNA, A, it was the fact that, you know, this was something that wasn't WWE. It was something that, you know, seemed to be at least Mm -hmm. If not major league, certainly a step above a lot of the indies that would run, you know, their TV at Saturday at two in the morning, you know, out here. Um, and then again, you know, you had guys like AJ Styles, guys like uh, Low Key, you know, guys like Jerry Lynn, who were performing in a style that we just weren't getting from the WWF at the time.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of. Uh... I mean, for me, it was something different compared to WWE. I'd kind of, at that point, been watching WWE, and I just kind of, when I saw the kind of, like, when you learn about the likes of the X Division and the people who were in the X Division and just this excited ring, and it was just, it was something different to the eye like the set design for the for the, the place in universal was just so interesting and appealing and then obviously having a six-sided ring having the likes of ultimate x um and, and stuff like that it just appealed to me as, as nate says the appeal for the wrestlers as well so for example people i'd never seen before like aj styles chris Sabin, mm-hmm. um alex shelley um because i'd ne- I say roh was a while before i kind of got in properly to roh so seeing the likes of him samoa joe and in fact it was so many different people and then they had the wwe people who hadn't been maybe used properly like the likes of christian um and you mixed all these characters together and then you had the wcw people like jeff Jar mm-hmm. i know i keep saying his name i will stop mm-hmm. saying his name at points um and then Sting came at coming back and all that, and just it was a it was a flux of people who I'd never seen before. Some people I hadn't seen in a while since they were too busy letting the time on their AOL contracts run up. Um, and it was just a very interesting like concept, f- just to see it uh, to f- to pan out. And then going back and looking at the Nashville stuff and the 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 old uh, Asylum. That was just... a shock to the system. Oh, like when you when you see like the same consistent Goldilock sign for Goldilocks and stuff Mm, like that. um, We were watching
2: section part of the crowd.
1: Yeah, we were watching. uh, We watched uh, AJ versus Jerry Lynn versus Loki uh, in a triple threat ladder match, Mm -hmm. and it was just looking at that background of that crowd, and I'm just thinking, God's sake, this is so (laughs) carny, but so fun at the same time. And then you go from that to like Orlando, and you're just like. Mm -hmm honestly it's just such a that company has just developed uh it's kind of it's taken everything and kind of slowly developed how and it's made its look different from when it knows it needs to kind of be different Mm. um but yeah just the appeal of the the newer wrestlers to me and then seeing some that i'd liked in wcw was kind of my thing
2: but when was the first point that you really had concerns when was the first point when watching them and you went Oh, no. Like, I've got some very
1: bad signs here.
2: Uh, um, I'll, uh, go on, Eddie, you go first.
1: I mean, because I got into it so late in terms of being an actual fan in the moment as it happened,
2: mm.
1: I had... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I had some aspect of hope when uh, a certain brother-brother mm. man uh, and a silver-haired fox <laughs> decided to come in. Um, thinking that maybe they would do things differently um, as Nate said uh, the X Division can sometimes be the main point and during their time it was completely non-existent Um, <laughs> it was roughly kind of about maybe when they decided to go Monday nights I wasn't so sure about it and then when I saw who they were bringing in I was like mm. okay Sean Morley that's an interesting thing and you're gonna have him beat Daniels <laughs> right no this is not for me no please please find some kind of ground and then the ship was just starting to sink clearly it it was kind of just before that I was kind of getting a wee bit weird because it was the main event mafia and stuff like that Mm. which I was enjoying but kind of getting a little bit tired on and then slowly as they came into the company I had a tiny bit of hope and then it died almost quite quickly uh, after they decided to go on Monday nights (laughs) I think
2: possibly that time when they first went head-to-head and it was just like, oh, no. I'm not There's sure a this, promo- this lot have learned anything.
1: There's a promo where uh, they are talking in the ring and they're ch- and the fans are chanting, we want six sides. And Hogan's like, no, brothers, four sides. We need to go. And it's just honestly, <laughs> I, it's like four sides, brother. And I'm just like, oh, please, no. And it was just it, that when they stripped everything away from what TNA was, it was just, yeah. oh, Which such a it. time. They did, and they just didn't look back. And the 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 the, the poison was already in by that point. You just kind of had to. Hope that certain people would kind of survive under the the consistent shovel of the nasty boys being debuted and oh. Bubba the Love Sponge and just oh no, I oh, don't want to forgot all about it. All. <sighs> this just wants you, this just wants this 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 podcast is going to resort so many people to alcohol if they remember the majority of this <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that 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 was the point where I kind of was like, nah, nah, come on now. But that's just because I got into it late.
2: Later
1: on, yeah. How, how about you, Knight?
0: See, for me, you know, TNA and Impact Wrestling is has always been kind of like that one friend that we all have who is a bit of a screw-up, can't hold down a job, probably has a bit of a drinking-slash-weed problem, you know. Uh, but, but at, you know, he's got a good heart, right? Like, yeah. he's just – he can't get out of his own way. He's, a, he's just a screw-up. What happened on the week of October 27th, 2009 – is when that friend that that you know you you keep hanging out with this buddy you know your old friends from school and you know you he's he's not so bad you just got to get to know him he goes out and joins he joins a club Eddie he goes out and joins a club and then come to find out that that club is actually a white supremacist group so your friend didn't join a club he joined the clan and so <laughs> TNA's joining the clan moment was October 27th, 2009 when they signed Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff into the company. Because did we learn nothing from what happened with WCW? Like did we learn nothing from the mistakes that were made? It's bad enough like this whole time in TNA we've had Vince Russo. Like that's a whole separate conversation, the Russo of it all. But but I think when you bring in Hogan and Bischoff and, uh, and give them power. That's the real thing right there. Because if you just want to bring in Hogan and Bischoff or Nostalgia for a week or two to pop a rating, okay, fine. That's one thing. But to bring them in and give them authority, to bring them in and give them, you know, dominion and decision-making capabilities within your company, that was a huge mistake. And we saw the immediate effects of that. You know, you talk about that uh, head-to-head where we had Impact and Raw, Eddie, and... Like in a moment, in a vacuum, that was a cool night because you did have a lot of people talking about the shows. But when you yeah. go back and look at it, when you go back and, and you know, uh, I believe uh, John and Way went back and looked at that night recently over at Post Wrestling. And it's like from night one on that impact, you already see everything that is wrong with this company at, the, at that moment where you've got Hogan bringing in all of his cronies, all of his buddies, uh, you know, where you've got – the established X division guys just becoming job guys where you've got 13 different things happening in one segment and not allowing any of it to breathe or any of it to grow. And so, yeah, yeah, like TNA was like, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like TNA had some issues and problems before that, you know, from 02 to 09. Uh, But I, I think when Hogan comes in, that's the worst moment to me because that's a point overturn. no return. There's no turning back from bringing Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff into your company. And we see even now today, you know, as, as good as impact wrestling has been at times over the last two or three years, they still have got to work to earn fans trust back because so much trust was lost from 09 to like 2011 because of everything involving Hogan and Bischoff.
2: It's absolutely true. I was just thinking of that even even last, even watching um, Final Resolution, a show that I didn't like uh, um, apart from the main event, which I thought was fine. Um, and they're having to work like week to week at the minute for me to mm. take an interest in them, even at this stage. Um, and I always find that kind of incredible. There isn't that sort of sense of goodwill. I it, It's funny for me because I think... I perhaps watched Hogan and Bischoff and just assumed, right, this is, they're going to be done for. Because I can remember this, I think it might have been the last pay-per-view before then. Two of the featured matches were Jarrett versus Christopher Daniels, I want to say. It was in that kind of dead space where you knew Hogan and Bischoff were coming in, but they weren't in yet. And they also had um, Desmond Wolfe versus uh, Kurt Angle as part part of that series. And that was a direction you were liking. It was part of that Scott D'Amore booking, which is kind of very slow and steady. But at that point in time, it
0: it kind of worked. You you go back, like one of my favorite TNA pay-per-views, sorry to interrupt, but one of my favorite Mm. TNA pay-per-views of that time period is actually Bound for Glory that year. Mm. Because you had Kurt Angle get maybe the best Matt Morgan match ever out of Matt Morgan. And you had the main event of Sting and AJ Styles with Sting kind of passing that torch to AJ. And it was like this note of optimism in the company that did not last long because, you know, we'd already known the writing was on the wall. You know, a month earlier, they'd announced that Hogan and Bischoff had signed. And so it's like, yeah, you know, Demore, and even to his credit, I'll give the devil his due. I still think Russo was, was maybe writing at that time. And mm. it's like, they actually put on some of the best, TNA in that period like that the last three or four months of 2009 there was some really good in-ring stuff but it would not last when Hogan and Bischoff came in yeah it was never something that they thought was a selling point they were never going to go along
2: with it but I, I was going to throw a couple of of couple of names of your very early TNA well one of them's slightly more obvious and that's obviously Monty Brown mm. as a time where there was just a vibe of this is clearly the guy he's completely fresh why aren't you going with him but I think even on the very early episodes Ron Killings, I, I will maintain that Ron Killings, when he first came in, had a really interesting kind of character who was like very much this anti WWE. Now, I don't know if you've seen the um, very first episode because there's a horrible vibe with the crowd and the way they're doing. They're doing racially charged angles. Yes. From yeah. Day one um, in in Alabama. And it's just like, oh, my God. But they once they'd gone into the asylum, they'd kind of built him up nicely and they never they had him as they had him as champion but um someone i kind of want to mention who's really the the key figure in this is jeff jarrett and even though he's the founder like it's i mean it's impossible to say like what is his legacy within that i suppose i'm just going to ask what do you think about jeff jarrett and tina what's the sort of stuff that comes to mind um uh,
0: nate i'll go to you first I think with Jeff Jarrett, it's complicated, you know, because oh yeah, on the one hand, like you don't get TNA and you don't get these jobs, you know, for all these workers and and the crew behind the scenes without Jeff and his and his uh father, Jerry, you know, starting this thing. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you can diminish the importance of Jeff Jarrett when you talk about TNA. Uh, but I do think that there were times where Jeff Jarrett, the businessman, overvalued Jeff Jarrett, the professional wrestler. Because uh, I think like I'm not one of these people that's going to bang on on good old Double J. I think he was a perfectly solid B-level guy who was mm-hmm. not great at any one thing, but he was really good at a lot of different things. Like He was a solid promo guy. He was solid in-ring, solid heel, but if you want him to be the focus of your show week in and week out, year in and year out, it's not going to work because he doesn't have that next gear. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Jeff if it's it's kind of like you know the football coach that is also the general manager like they have two different goals the general manager's job is to plan for the future and to build the team up where the coach's job is to win right now and i think that's the that's the problem Jeff stuck himself in is that as the founder of TNA the CEO of TNA you're trying to build something that can last and and, and compete uh but as Jeff Jarrett the quote unquote main eventer in TNA your job is I got to get these ratings I got to get these pay-per-view buys and and so it never was a fit that I think was beneficial to the company as a whole
2: yeah yeah I have to agree with that that's a really good sort of metaphor with the general manager and um uh, and the actual sort of football coach as well Eddie you're a big big double J fan <laughs> how do you how do you summarise this? Is it? Is, I feel like I've asked you both an impossible question.
1: <laughs> I mean, as we see, we can't have T we, We're not having this conversation, and we're not yeah. even having this podcast without the man. I think Nate's kind of summarization and is perfectly there. He is doing two jobs at once, and it's and the way he's juggling it isn't really working. Because there's so many moments, if you look within the title reigns, because roughly, what, 2005, 2006, that was kind of the time where in WWE, Triple H was the champion for kind of the majority Mm -hmm. of time. JBL was the champion for a really long title reign. I'm pretty sure Jeff probably looked at them and thought, this is the right time for me to do that as well. Mm. Um, Because as you (laughs) said, Monty Brown should have had a chance. There was a moment where Samoa Joe was gonna get a Hmm. shot. They did a I think it was a fans lumber I think it was the fans choice lumberjack match or something like that. Um yeah a fans revenge lumberjack match. match, But it was a non-title match when it should have been for the title and then nothing evaporated off it. He had his opponents and it would be there would be maybe someone would win the belt for maybe a couple of days like when Christian came in won it. Jeff then or Sting won it and then Jeff got it back again and Planet Jarrett would have be been involved in nearly every single match that would happen. Um, and it was just all shenanigans. Uh, and I think, yeah, his Tyler reign. I love Jeff. I'm, I'm just going to say it now. Yeah. The Global Force gold man is, is, is one, as I say, he's an intent for, for, for working and how to summarize himself. He's an intelligent man. The problem is, when you're putting that into a company that's trying to entertain other people, Mm. and entertain people, not just yourself, and having to deal with great guys like Ron Killings and Monty Brown and all the other people who were there that time, Abyss, and stuff like that, and and AJ. um, He did kind of carry, I I think he had this way of looking at it and going, I need to carry this on my back in some way possible by being the champ. Mm. Um, Because I have to be that leader and set that expectation. But when there are good, when there are other people there who you, whom you don't want to give the ball to, like you're you're just so kind of I think you give them the ball for a minute and then you kind of want it back because you just kind of want to go oh it'll be great for heat and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with Nate. It's he was trying to do everything at once and it's it's difficult. But his reigns were fun for the shenanigans, shit of points, and then it got really tiresome. Um, and then him disappearing randomly after losing the belt that final time and then coming back and just become, being this baby face of a man was just so wild. Mm. Um, and
2: putting Robert Roode over. Which yeah. Like, which he seemed completely happy with. It was just like, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, it's like, have you found God again? Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think part of, you know, you touched on it, Eddie. I'm glad you hit on that, man, in terms of, like, the trust factor, because it it very much is. Jeff is Jerry's son, and that's a very old-school mentality. Like, if you look at Memphis, how many times did Lawler have the belt? Or you go to World Class, like, every other month, one of the Von Erics would have the belt because that's who Fritz could trust. And it felt like Jeff would give opportunities for a month or two but at the end of the day he felt like he was the only person who he could trust and unfortunately i think that ultimately hurt him because if you look at kind of the corollary to aw and how long it took for kenny omega to get to the top when he Mm -hmm. was in a similar kind of position with jeff you know granted he wasn't you know he he wasn't uh you know kind of running everything and like Jeff was, you know, he's got the bucks and he's got Tony Khan, and he's got Cody. So it's not all on his shoulders, but yeah. I think had Jarrett waited, right? Like, cause we all knew like Jeff Jarrett was going to get the belt. Eventually had he waited like a year or, or, you know, 16 months and, and then got the belt, I think it would have been more impactful. No pun intended
1: yeah i get that i like the idea because obviously i liked kind of the the inaugural one where they did the whole with uh i think it was the inaugural one where they had uh the ken shamrock was it, yep. no, it was no steam it was steamboat oh, yeah. as the uh as, as the special guest yeah and i like that like that's the thing you know it, Nate makes another good point with the AEW thing um because the amount of people that with people coming into AEW, everyone's thinking it's all a wcw kind of like it's becoming more wcw i think personally it's becoming more tna with Mm. the amount of people Mm. because they're not you know they've got their own people they've got their own people and they're kind of bringing that in whereas wc whereas you know wcw is just old people coming in and getting their money and guaranteed contracts but yeah that that idea of not being the champion right away um i think I, i agree with that i think if he had given himself a bit more time um. yeah, This it, it's the same thing with Omega, he's taken time, they've built the story um, and now he's the champion, it's been, the company has been around for what, two years now and they've only just now had their main champion be someone who works in the behind the scenes of the company, so yeah. whereas TNA was like well, gotta get Jeff that belt soon
2: <laughs> yeah, well it's, it's funny you mention it because that first episode I did an episode of Graps and Claps and looking at that first episode of it which I would say it falls off a cliff in the second half for me personally. <laughs> mm. So we were in a pub, Nate, when we did it. And then they introduced some whiskies, And I don't remember the end of the show. Like, but it's, it's out there. Um, it, but it falls off a cliff rapidly. But one of the things it was like talking about it is even though you'd imagine the end of that first, that first show, you know, the crowning of the new NWA champion is it's Ken Shamrock and the wall. It isn't. It's Jeff Jarrett being led out of the um, arena in Mo- in Alabama um, and being sort of taken taken mm. outside, and immediately there was that that kind of, I need to be the centre point, which you know it leads interesting into the kind of Russo stuff where there's, is it a case where he overvalued Russo in general, and I imagine Russo's thinking was like you got to put the belt on you, you're always you're going to be here as well, or is it th- this case where? Um, uh, he he overvalued what those last few years in WCW meant, those sort of last couple of years when he was there, as if it meant being WCW at that point in time WCW champion at that point in time didn't really mean anything um, I don't know, I mean it's, I'll ask you about Russo because I was kind of going off on one there for a second
0: <laughs> Russo's influence on it um, <laughs> go on Nate <laughs> oh man, like those early TNA shows, it's funny that you bring that up because on one of the podcasts I do, uh, the main event over at Place to Be Nation, we were uh, doing a uh, rewatch of all of the original NWA TNA pay-per-views, which is a weird concept in and of itself. Whereas, you know, we're not going to secure weekly TV, but what we are going to do is have these weekly pay-per-views for 20, 25 bucks. And it's an interesting concept. I don't know if they ever fully... Even at the end of that of that uh, model, I don't know if they ever really kind of figured it out. Uh, but I'll, I'll give him credit for trying. I think when you mention Vince Russo, though, the problem with Russo in general uh, in life <laughs> is that the man needs an editor, right? Like I think a little bit of Russo goes a long, long way. You know, when you look at the the glory days of his time in the WWF, yeah, Vince, you had all these wild, crazy ideas but you also had to run them by Vince McMahon. There was was always somebody who had veto power over Vince Russo. When we get to WCW and Russo's in charge, it's all hell is broken loose. And we got Viagra on the pole matches because that's what people want to see, apparently. Uh, So when we get to TNA, like we get some of the worst Vince Russo because at least in WCW, there was always the threat that they could bring Bischoff back. Whereas in TNA, like this is Jeff Jarrett's guy. Like, Jeff's not going to get rid of him without any, you know, reason. And so we get the worst of Vince Russo. We get, uh, you know, little people uh, in trash cans m- pleasuring themselves. We get degradation of women. We get racial stereotypes. We get, uh, you know, the Vince Russo sports entertainment extreme. extreme stable because you know like he's like listen bro everybody loves sex bro what if i made a stable about it and and so i think you know getting back to kind of the 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 issues that jared had from the beginning it's that i think a he didn't have enough people around him you know looking like looking at that aw model where it's not all on your shoulders jeff but b the rare times he did entrust other people it's people like vince russo who are going to do what? Like you can't blame a dog for biting you. You know that that's what animals yeah. do. So you you can't blame Russo for coming up with bad angles. That's what Russo does. It's your job as the promoter <laughs> to kind of mold and shape all that creativity into a good storyline. And and I don't think they ever really got there with Russo. He nearly killed that company though. Ultimately, in the end,
2: by getting them kicked off Spike TV. Yep.
1: Oh, the secret, the secret signing of the secret. Oh. He's not working for us. I promise you he's not working for us. Ooh. Right, Vince, right the next show. He's not working for us, though. <laughs> that's um, that's how crazy Mark TNA Johnson. is.
0: That's how crazy TNA is, Eddie. Like, we win. Like, for all that we could say about how well or how poorly Jeff Jarrett ran the ship, he's not even close. To the worst manager in the history of this company, because then Dixie Carter comes in and and like you said, like she almost <laughs> kills the company in tandem with Vince Russo.
1: I liked her much better when she wasn't an online when she wasn't an on-screen <laughs> personality. And cause it was that idea of, right, that's great. We've got the director of authority or wherever they did with that. And then they had Cornette in for that <laughs> brief time. Um and, and yeah, it's just Honestly, when you look at all the authority figures that TNA had, I remember when they did that vote. Do you remember when they did the election and it was between Dusty Rhodes and Vince Russo? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, they did like an election kind of thing and it was like votes. (laughs) And you just saw them (laughs) pondering about and Vince looking so miserable when he lost to Dusty Rhodes. Um, But Vince's time in in TNA has been... Oh, sports entertainment extreme! What a stable! I, I would love in a bit to talk about TNA stables at some point because my god, the amount of stables they had! Ooh, they I'll so go into room. it now. Oh, stables. but there's like, but the Russo just like, I remember, I think I remember he said in an interview a while ago that during the time between like 2002 to 2004, he didn't write a single show on his own or something <laughs> like that. And you, you think someone, and as Nate says, you should have had someone write that with you because when you look back at it, Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> it's just so much. Um, and he's just, yeah, just it's just baffling, and then he then they let him go, and then he comes back, and mm-hmm. then he does the whole like a, the 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 electrified steel cage match, a lockdown, where people are chanting "Fire Russo," and then Ferrara's brought in at a point, and it's yep. just, and then and then they did the whole AJ Styles versus Frank Trigg MMA stuff. And it's like some of the eye. And in the last rights match with Abyss and Sting, honestly, just some of his work in TNA, you're right. He could have almost killed this company completely. Um, and yeah, Car- Dixie Carter is almost as bad, well, worse than Vince for sure. But he was just so honestly, There's when when your fans are chanting fire Russo, um, which any company who hires Vince Russo should be doing, Um it's just no surprise that this company has just been through so many fluxes of it looks like it could be good and then there's this part of it that's good and then Ooh. there's this part of it that's an absolute fucking dog shit mess. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, the stables, the, the likes of like, the minister heel stables that had like so many bullshit shenanigans <laughs> involved like Sports Entertainment Extreme, uh, Planet Jarrett, mm. uh, Team Canada, um i liked uh, team canada i love like team canada had some greatness it had pd it had uh, a1 it yep. had yeah, EY. ey which the the bill one of the, one of my favorite things about tna was the build of eric young uh from when mm. team canada uh, Team Canada, kind of his dissension into don't fire Eric. Mm. It's probably one of the best storylines if you go back and watch it. And they just did nothing with it in the end, um, which is TNA for you because they have a they, they just have seven billion things going on at once, and they have to focus on the guys who are getting their guaranteed money. Um, but yeah. Planet Jarrett, Team Canada, Latin American Exchange. Uh, there's just, you know, there's so many. Main Event Mafia, which I think was a good thing. Um, I, I think a lot of people... Immortal? Kind of, immortal, oh, Fortune geez. 4. Fortune? <laughs> oh, uh, the Menagerie, uh, if we're going into current TNA. Oh, uh, Oh. The They're worst.
0: Serious. I'll give you the worst though. Like those are all bad, and an honorable mention to any stable that features the Harris brothers. Because why? Like why? Oh. Why would you bring the Harris brothers into your oh. stable? But the worst stable for me had to be James Storms and the Revolution.
1: Oh yeah. The one with, with uh Sanada. And, Sanada uh,
0: when he was doing his Muta cosplay.
2: Oh
1: my word. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was Sanada, because they did a whole bit where Sanada was being brought in by the Great Muta and yep. then he turned on the Great Muta. You had uh, uh, Mahabali Shira. TJP was in it as Manic, PJP. wasn't he? Yep, uh, Abyss, like just a terrible
0: like some of the
1: some wow. of the stables that they've put in there and you just look at them. I remember in a pub before a revolution for a Rev Pro show naming people who were in the stables and just thinking, <laughs> "Christ!" and then people were surprised by certain stables. Like, for example, the band. That was such an awful idea. Oh. Um uh, and then there was like Decay, the Deaf Crew Council, which had potential but then never went anywhere. Um, the three live crew that then turned into the four live crew. Um <laughs> Oh, the angle alliance it was just honestly and then there's random ones and they had like they had potential ones as well like they had um they had generation next then for a time yeah. and then those guys went said no we're not doing this we'll just go and stay in roh because i think it was a case of they were told they could either work for roh or tna or something like that mm-hmm. i think there was something that happened because that company decides who it wants to work with and when it doesn't want to work with them numerous times um yeah that was uh that I, I think
2: that was one of the times I got quite annoyed at them because you thought there's a way of you guys working together here and it mm-hmm. can work out really well and um, and there was no chance of it doing because I think there was an idea that, that TNA was frankly too big for its britches. Yeah. It thought itself too big for what it was. It was like, we don't deal with you. And it was like, I think that they're, they're outdrawing you like, you know, yeah. on the reg like, with paid audiences. But
1: It's like they've got, they're using the majority of your talent quite well when they're being there um why are you just suddenly deciding no we don't want to work with you and just be this honestly just brick wall of oh just annoying that that's some of the things tne had so much potential for so many things and just Mm. it dragged itself back from when it should go forward
2: well to ask uh, i wanted to ask you both actually like what was the like we've sort of talked about the things that have been kind of most disappointing has there been like of the storylines there of the stuff that you've really enjoyed the stuff that you've really sunk your teeth into um Nate what for you is the the, the kind of storyline that you uh, love the most
0: into? I mean for all the bad of TNA and Impact Wrestling they've had some good storylines over the years I think mm-hmm. you know the like as bad as Ace and eights was Heel bully Ray was amazing and yes. Without that, we don't get bully Ray. I think that, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, something more recent, as much as I dislike this person as a human being, like the Tessa Blanchard story mm. was a well-told story. Uh, but I think maybe my favorite story, and, and it's probably because I was there live for one of the reveals, was uh, when AJ Styles became the lone wolf. And this is during the Aces and Eights thing, and it was building up to the big Bully uh, Ray-AJ Styles match. And uh, it was just this random impact. It might have been hard justice when they were in the period of doing TV specials, ads, pay-per-views. And there was a six-man between Aces and Eights versus Sting, I think James Storm and somebody else. Or maybe it was an eight-man. Uh, it was a.
1: Uh, it was a. Uh, no, sorry to interrupt. It was the yeah, because I watched this just today. Mm. Uh, the AJ walking out. Yes. Cause it's, yep. Oh, because it's because Bully raised the side with Brooke Adams, and I'm pretty sure I want to say Tito or T. No, Ra- whichever one. Right, yeah, whichever, Rampage
0: and Tito. Yeah, Rampage Tito. was with. The main event, the Mafia, 10. and Tito was with uh, Aces and 8s. Oh. The August
1: 10 warning. The August 10 yep. warning. Who could it be? It was Tito Ortiz. Yeah, uh, but like that, yeah, you, you're right.
0: So like the the uh, they're, they're a man down, and Mr. Anderson is with Aces and 8s. He's like, you know, who do you got? You got nobody on your side, Sting. There's no one that could come out here. Uh, no one, which was like AJ Styles' is kind of catchphrase or Titan Tron deal at the time. And then all of a sudden the lights go out and instead of moody biker, emo, AJ Styles, we get, get ready to fly AJ Styles. And this is in Norfolk, Virginia. And other than when CM Punk came back with cult of personality for the first time at the Hampton Coliseum, this was one of the louder pops that I've heard, uh, you know, live because like this is a TNA show. This was our, hour four of this recording. Cause they take two shows that night. And so we're tired. We're like the crowd is dead and they bring AJ Styles out and everybody loses their damn minds. And, and so it's like, like yeah, that's the frustrating thing about this company is that they had so much talent over the years. They had good ideas over the years. They've had good moments over the years, but they could never really sustain it.
2: Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's it, if you're trying to think of what is the definitive feud of, the, of it, it's sometimes it gets quite difficult. I mean, I, for me, I'd probably say Samoa Joker angle Mm. feels like if, if anything is the kind of definitive feud. And that's something I kind of wanted to mention as well is, is, is sort of the thoughts on that. Now I, I love that little mini feud. I was, I hate the way that I describe it as a mini feud because it should have been something that went on properly for years for me. And it felt like they kind of burnt through a lot of the matches very, very quickly. Mm. I mean, I don't kind of necessarily want to go back and fantasy book it, but it, how, what are your kind of feelings on that feud overall? Is it is ultimately, because it did draw that one big kind of pay-per-view buy rate, was it a show, sorry, was it a feud? Like, what is the kind of long-term effect it had as much as anything else?
1: I think because there's that moment where Kurt gets announced and then the head and mm-hmm. then he's holding up the belt. It, it, Angle's holding up the belt. And then Joe suddenly appears behind him. And you just think these two guys, you just want them to go and have like a series of matches. You don't want it to just be one thing. You want to kind of put all your focus on this. Because Kurt at the time was obviously taking that sabbatical from well, being released from going to ECW, WWE, and then being released. Mm-hmm. And then he was on whatever he was on. Uh, allegedly, um, for the podcast, um, and and just was was looking like he was in the best shape of his life. Uh, at parts, and you there was parts obviously. Yeah, it looked like he was broken down obviously, but that kind of thing where you think those two like behemoths coming together, it should have been something that should have, as you said, been a thing that has went on or kind of builds and builds. And is one of the biggest feuds they had, but they just i don't know what happened i think they just thought fl- they did one match and then flatlined and then they went all these changes and all these runarounds which is just typical tna but it, 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 the longevity of it because obviously the signing of kurt was one of the bet was one of the biggest at that time because it was a massive get because obviously as i said mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people who jumped with much name value other than christian and then you had kurt jumping over it, It could have done so much for them in terms of kind of brand kind of notoriety and kind of increased their popularity with someone like Kurt jumping over and having that big match with a man who was undefeated for near enough about what, eighteen months or so. Yeah. Um, you know, building that up and having like an entire pay per view where there's these maybe you bring in these legends, but you have them go, Well I'm this is my thoughts on Kurt versus uh, Joe, and this is who I think is going to win. And you keep building, and you have hype videos on their training camps and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then you have the match, and then whoever wins it, you then go right well we're going to do another one, maybe a, later, a little bit later down the line, but not mm-hmm. right after because you don't want to wait it out. Which you know, exactly they, they done, that, 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 this is the thing they they just kind of I think they wanted that they wanted that quick kind of bump, yeah. and then they'll figure out what to do later at that point. I don't think they had any longevity in any kind of storyline. Maybe they did, but they just, either things go in the way or in usual TNA status, someone was being kicked out of the creative room and someone else was coming into the creative room or they were just playing musical chairs in the creative room. (laughs) um, Who gets to book it today? Um, Could it be Vince Russo? Could it be Ed Ferrara? Could Dixie get a chance at it? You never know until Cross the Line ends up stopping uh, in the background. But there's just so much. And there's just, as I say, they they had so much potential with so many storylines. There's some they've done really well, like the breakup of Beer Money, I thought Mm -hmm. was great. Um, The EC3 versus Rockstar Spud uh, story was great. It developed so much stuff. Kurt versus Desmond Wolf was great. You know, they can do stuff like that, but when you have something right in front of you, like Kurt versus Samoa Joe, on the way that those guys are coming in, they just butchered it so badly. Because um, yeah. I say, that was that, it's that image of Kurt headbutting Joe, yes. grabbing the belt, raising it, <laughs> and Joe just popping up behind him like some kind of villain with all this blood on him. And you're just thinking, I really just want to see these two fight so much and then it just didn't happen
0: and and like you look at kurt's run like i for the most part i I really like kurt's run in impact i think as crazy as it may sound like you could make an argument that some of kurt's best work is in tna Mm. and like i I think maybe overall which again is crazy to say overall i think if not better than his wwe run it's certainly on par if you go and look at the totality of his WWE run with his TNA run, I think with Curt and Joe, man, like that was something that got everybody's attention. Like I remember the buzz that around that time. And, you know, you talk about it, Eddie, that, that moment with the headbutt is one of the most indelible moments in, in TNA history. And so, yeah, like, I think that's a feud that, that had so much promise had so much potential, but Instant gratification got in the way, you know. It, it's like, you know, why why wait for the cookies to bake when I could just eat this cookie dough right now? Who cares? Who cares about <laughs> Salmonella, man? This is cookie dough we talking about, and that's that's what TNA was at at that point. So yeah, I think like that's that's the only thing that would keep that from being like the top feud for me is that they just didn't give it time to bake. Um, if I were gonna pick a feud, I might have to go with AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Because ah, yes. that that had time to bake, it, you know, the, those matches over those years had me- meaning, even during the stupid Claire Lynch storyline, they still managed the classic match in the middle of all that foolishness. Um, and then it like that combination helped give me one of, if not my favorite, it's certainly in my top five TNA matches of all time, and that's the 3 way Unbreakable with Daniel Styles and Samoa Joe. Like that, if if somebody said to me, like, what's TNA? Like, what's the best of TNA? Like, that would be one of the first things I showed them. And it's
2: funny, in that line, you've just managed to go from Claire Lynch to the three-way at (laughs) Unbreakable, which is a wild ride of emotions, Nate. It really is for that. I mean, it's funny, actually. I did a Best of the Activision um, with um, uh, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Mm. and we were talking about uh we got to that match and going back and watch it it's it is for me it's the match for for them it's their it's their one genuine sort of five-star classic and the way that that feud was i mean what i wanted to see then from that was the x division and the tag titles headlining pay-per-views because i thought i'm a wcw fan i kind of like it when you get to do stuff like that as well And Mm they never kind of fully engaged enough in there with there but yeah so we're going to talk about the highs. I mean, and one thing we haven't really gone into as much, we've talked a lot about storylines, but in terms of those matches, is there, is there anything else? Is like for you, Eddie, is that the number one match in TNA? Is there anything else that even really kind of comes close to it?
1: I think, see, when we watched back the matches for the, 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 the 4L one, and we watched uh, the LAX versus AJ Styles and Daniels. And I thought that was really, really good. And then there was the Jerry Lynn versus um, the Jerry Lynn and Loki and AJ won. Um But I, I thought they were all great. And then I did go back and watch the Unbreakable Triple Threat. And I'm still just blown away by it because of just how good it is. So for me, yeah. I mean, there's not really a lot that comes close. There's maybe... The odd couple, the odd match that comes close is a Monty Ooh. Brown versus Samoa Joe versus Rhino, uh, Falls count anywhere match. That for me, I think is one of the best matches of T that TNA did, and it's just so hidden, not talked about enough. Um, But yeah, I I just don't... Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's just... The X Division was just so good. Uh, And the amount of people that you had appear in the X Division and become the X Division... You know, the X Division was something that, yeah, they should have. Because they should have put more on because as you see as it goes over time and matches in time it was like main event with stuff like that or in the middle and then it was normally the opener of every pay per view to get you hyped normally mm-hmm. it wasn't even for the title it would be like some kind of four way or something like that <laughs> and you would just be, and it and it, they did it they did it for the right reason because they knew that's what was gonna hype you you know they were they were they did their job right there but you know yeah i just the x division was such a good it's such a good part of that company i don't know i've not seen anything from it now and to be fair the champion who is uh i have no care about it really um but yeah i think it's still I would, Rahit, raju i could be wrong on that it's i think it's manic uh no, it, was, it was
2: manic who beat it, yeah.
1: yeah 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 and oh. that man i don't know how that is he and I'll mention it quickly TNA right now is like the island of broken toys it, it's the place where if you've had a bad career or if you've had some kind of controversy or something like that TNA will welcome you back unless you're Joey Ryan who will then try and sue you um <laughs> but yeah it's just yeah and, and when you look at it now compared to then there's like so many guys that are kind of underrated um and not talked about enough in the IX division like um and this is a shout out for Connie, um, Matt Bentley. Uh, or Michael Shane, or just as he was known for a brief time, Shane. Um, Sean Michael's uh, cousin. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> makes, yeah, yeah,
0: it's contractually obligated. Whenever you mention him, he's Sean Michael's cousin.
1: <laughs> Does that, uh, and you can't forget the Bentley bump and that fact that on at, at points when they were going through uh, some kind of le- some kind of legal part, where he was just called Shane. So just when he was entering, it was just Shane, and that was it. Um, and then Sanjay Dutt, amazing mm. red. You know, there's some, uh, you know, Alex Shelley, obviously the machine guns. Roger Strong when he was there for that brief part. Yeah. Um, there were so many good ones, and there was just so many good TNE. Like you go back. The- skipper, like walk, yeah. walking across the damn top of that cage. Oh. Diamonds, diamonds in the rough, and Triple mm. X as well um there was you know uh there was just they were so good and they were so talented that x division and it was the fact that it was it was an open weight division so when you looked at the likes of joe and you watched like the matches um and there was a match with and dan picked it it was samoa joe versus chris saban from one of the pay-per-views and it was during um the joe undefeated streak and you'd obviously seen joe come in and, and basically battered everyone um and he wasn't giving any anything up. There was not kind of anyone who was getting any kind of major damage on him. And then Sabin, who's this, what, three or two or three-time X Division champion at that time. Um, and he starts giving it to him. And it's just, you know, the fact that you could have, like, this high, flippy guy against the like of Samoa Joe. And just, you know, they're fighting for this one belt. And it could, you know, it could happen sabin could beat this joe guy um rather than in certain companies where it's big man mush crush tiny person um every time no difference um so yeah the x division just was so good and, and i think that match the joe daniels and sabin it's uh, so what joe daniels and sabin joe daniels and styles match was just it's phenomenal and it's one of the things that put the x division where it should where it should have been on the map because no one else had it. The Cruiserweight belt in WWE was not oh. getting any kind of traction. <laughs> I think Hornswoggle was probably maybe still the champion at that point, and they just didn't care about it. Or we had that really long Gregory Helms uh, title mm, reign. Yeah, But, yeah, there was just... With the X-Division, it was a case of, they were high-flying, they were in a 6 sided ring, you had the, like, of the Ultimate X as well. Um, you know, it was just... You know, they they had they, you know they were they were putting focus on the smaller guys rather than with WWE, where it was kind of the odd occasional focus, and then that was really about it. Yeah,
2: but yeah. and, and it, isn't, it doesn't feel like there's something that they really regularly focus on now, even even to this point. Um, it, there, there's a couple of people I think, like you know, someone I would like to spend a bit more sort of time on. I know we've kind of mentioned around them at this point, but Monty Brown. Yeah. Um, I think there's something about being like a TNA fan and Monty Brown like is the thing I don't know it sounds really bizarre of all the things they've done it's one of the things that gives the worst taste in my mouth because it felt mm. there was something about he himself who projected himself as such a star now Nate you might have a better idea than me I'm guessing was he quite a famous football player did he have <sighs> a degree of celebrity to him
0: yeah I wouldn't say famous uh, but he was certainly if you if you're a sports fan you knew who Monty Brown was
2: okay and and like i don't know he just seemed to take to wrestling like a duck to water but it always felt like as soon as they didn't put that title on him on that show Mm -hmm. that's it's funny enough we mentioned that um it's the it's the match they have after i want to say it's the second of the three ways is it um no is it it's not where is it they have that that match takes place i'm just trying to think of it in my head but i can just remember at that point the only other time I'd, i'd like I'd felt that way about Raven not winning, mm. um, in that early one of the of of those shows. But Monty Brown for me feels like just such a such an annoyingly missed opportunity. That of all of the people we've had that we mentioned, I just kind of wanted to say because it it always made me personally so annoyed because even though he wasn't the greatest wrestler, this was someone I believed would have been a star, someone you would have put on like kind of low, uh, press and radio if you're wanting to kind of get the name out there, and he would have done so much more than what Jeff Jarrett would have done. So I, I kind of wondered, like, in terms of you guys, like, what your kind of best thoughts and moments? I know you mentioned a, a match there earlier on, but how about you, Nate, um, in relation to Monty Brown?
0: It's, it's funny because so many companies over the years have tried to mimic or, or photocopy the innate charisma that, that one Dwayne The Rock Johnson possesses. And TNA itself, like they tried their hardest to make a mini rock with Sonny Siaki. And that yes. didn't work at all. I and mean, then you know, it's no no shade to Sonny Siaki. You know, most most human beings don't have that level of charisma. But Monty Brown somehow had it, right? Like, I'm not gonna say Monty Brown would have gone on to be as big as the rock, but for TNA, he could have been a game-changing kind of performer for them like yes the guy was still fairly green in the ring you know like if you go back and particularly look at some of those early monty brown matches they're a little bit clunky but he had an awesome finishing move and he just popped on the screen like with especially when you compare him to like either the x division guys who no offense they were all kind of on the shorter side or you compare him to like the older guys like brian christopher and and uh You know, Ken Shamrock and Kurt Henning, who were way past their prime at that point, like Monty Brown just had it. And, you know, one of my favorite moments, Eddie, it didn't happen in a ring, but it was during a pay-per-view where the asylum caught on fire. And so they're they're trying to cover for time and they just hand Mike Tenet, you know, Intrepid reporter that he is alive, Mike and Mike today goes and finds Monty Brown backstage or outside the arena while they're waiting for the firemen to go in and do their job. And Monty Brown cuts a two or three minute promo on Samoa Joe complete with his own rendition of Jimi Hendrix's Hey Joe. And it's like, like, yeah, like all off the top of the head. Like this guy's good, man. And so the fact that they didn't pull the trigger on Monty Brown, like there's been a couple times in TNA history where I think they should have pulled the trigger on somebody. Like uh, Mm. I want to say during the immortal run, Christopher Daniels came back and like, he had that great spot where he dove off the top of the cage to help save fortune. And he had a title match against Jeff Hardy. Like they should have pulled the trigger there. Uh, There's a moment later on in TNA history where Moose is going up against Austin Aries. And I think they should have pulled the trigger on Moose, but the most egregious out of all of those examples is Monty Brown, as you're saying, because I feel like would he have made TNA more popular than the WWE? Probably not, but he would have given the the promotion a lot more juice, I think, because just that energy that he came on the screen with Eddie, like it was hard to replicate that. And Monty Brown had that kind of star quality.
1: It, it was phenomenal. Honestly, like I remember him coming in in the beginning from watching back and it didn't seem like it connected because he was doing the baby face thing and it just didn't seem like it was working. Mm. And then when he came back and be up the insane clown posse, um you just which, which to is be fair never a
2: bad thing, is it?
1: If you beat the if you beat up the insane clown posse, then you're automatically fine with me. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, he was just um he was just so talented. He was just so talented with charisma. It was that guy who you know he could cut you know I remember that because that was the the, the hey Joe bit with the, the the when the when the asylum caught on fire I remember that um but it and was that but,
2: the roof is on fire yeah, yeah
1: and it's like in the middle of a it's the middle of a Johnny Devine Eric Young match and it's just they're yep. just completely covered in smoke. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just and then they cut to the back and the fire the fire uh, people are outside. It's just he just had so much like the charisma was there. And when he won that triple threat and then had the chance to face Jarrett, I would have had them pull the trigger because the amount of opportunities that they had, that he had or the amount and opportunities, I mean, like going into battle royals or going into gauntlets and stuff like that. And I think I remember he eliminated himself by eliminating Christian or something like that. And then when Christian debuted, he put up his title shot uh, against Christian and then Christian won. There's just so many things that, are just mm-hmm. egregious to him that he should have been a like we should be talking about Monty Brown as a TNA champion or an a, at least a champ and
2: either TNA um, legend, frankly, a
1: legend yeah. and a mm-hmm. TNA champ and a champion in any company they walked into. Yeah. I mean, he never, ha- I mean, I think he was immediately DO. I think he had he had the chance with, when he went to WWE, but it was DOA when you put him in that new breed thing and the ECW thing. And then obviously, yeah, yeah. whatever happened personally, I think he had to go and take care of his family and stuff yeah. like that. Completely, 100% yeah. get that. Um but, but you yeah, had just,
2: a name. Why did they change it from
1: Monty Brown? Yeah, we're gonna change it from Monty Brown. <laughs> Br- we're gonna change it from Monty Brown to Marquis Corvon, and then we're just oh, sorry, gonna go yeah. to Ma- no, that was they started with Marquis Corvon, then he yep. went to Marcus Corvon. Um and he had a good theme song where it was like you're going down. Yeah, the, down. the
0: theme song was about the only good thing about that run.
1: Yeah, and it was just I, I just honestly there were so many times, and then they obviously had him Side with Jarrett because he was, they were both aggrieved by the company and stuff like that. And he just felt, I really just wanted to see Monty Brown be the star of that company. Because as Nate says, would he get them more popular than WWE? No. Would he at least have been that guy who you could have had him go on those morning shows and sell the pay per view and mm. talk on the radio and stuff like that? Absolutely. Because he was, there was just charisma dripping down from him the way he spoke. Because you were never gonna, you're never going to um, completely uh, clone what The Rock uh, kind of had, but you could capture some essence, and it was Monty Brown, and it was honestly, you just think about it now, and you think he should have been a champion, he should have had that moment, yeah, with and all the other like, champions
2: you, they've had in the meantime, yeah,
1: <sighs> yeah, because there was like, oh, it was obvious, it was obviously it was during all that, it was, it was again during uh, Uncle Jeff's. Uh, carrying of the ball to the uh one yard line and just instead of uh instead of passing it and going risky was just like nope we're just gonna run it in um and it would just be me all the way and just not taking any risks on the field i keep using nfl references goodness me this is the effect that nate has on me um though being a chicago bears fan it doesn't help at the moment um but yeah they, they just they TNE when Jarrett was there just took so many safeties and we're just like we're just gonna go safety with it we're not gonna pull the trigger on anything they should have pulled the trigger on Monty Brown it's pissing me off so much now the, like the it. fact that like when AEW did
0: the thing a couple weeks ago or probably a month ago now by the time folks are listening where Monty just did you know a, a quick little video uh, wearing wearing the shirt like he always does like I don't know where he gets those shirts but I need I need the hookup. <laughs> Uh, Like the fact that, you know, just a little video clip had people excited that Monty could show up in AEW. Like so many years later, it shows you like, yeah, the guy connected. And you could say what you want to say about his bell-to-bell performance, but the most important thing, you know, and Dusty Rhodes said it all the time, the most important thing in wrestling is connecting with your audience. And Monty did that. And so the fact that they never kind of rewarded the audience by – Giving him the the you know the main event push is is a shame.
1: His draft sense was top notch as well. Goodness oh, yeah. me, <laughs> uh, he, that another yeah, way to stand out.
2: Range in like Hawaiian shirts.
1: Yeah, I like, love like, the Hawaiian shirt. Just looked so that's the everything stood himself out from everyone else by looking like he was top dollar. You know,
2: I think you hit the point, the nail on the head. It's, it's one if you could say one thing about TNA, it is rewarding its audience never seemed to be that high in the list of priorities. Mm-hmm. We're Really, it should, kind of should have been around sort of number one slash two. Um, I just want to in terms of sort of wrapping things up before we start looking at kind of where where impact is now and, and like where it kind of fits in. And does it really have a viable place? I kind of want to go through some like uh, ask you a couple of quick questions. Because there's so much stuff that we kind of uh, haven't necessarily done. But for you guys, uh, very quickly, worst gimmicks? What the worst TNA gimmicks? Um, <sighs> I'll give you mine. Um, it's from day one. It's so <laughs> work bad. It's the Johnsons. Yeah. Uh, mm.
0: Oh. Mm.
2: Yeah. Along with... I'm trying to think of the guy's name now. I want to say Engelbert Humperdinck, but he isn't. He was a singer. But it was something... <laughs> Oh, what was his name? He was like a sort of the most sort of shindy of managers. But yeah, the Johnsons.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, Sir Oliver Hobartink.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> he was Bam yes. Bam's manager, and I'm oh, a big Bam Bam Bigelow fan. But yeah, the Johnsons. How about you guys? Um, Do you want me to give you some reminders of some that have been out there?
1: I mean, part of me wants to. I'm trying to think. Part of me wants to say Voodoo Kid Mafia. <laughs> also oh. wants to say Sam Shaw, ooh, uh, oh. which still they're just going
2: on that isn't it?
1: Honestly, just uh, won't ever stop. The time they decided that AJ Styles was going to be Ric Flair, yep, um, oh. that was awful, um, and the one that they will always pay for for the remainder of their uh, time uh, in trying to interact with other companies. Oketo. Um... <laughs> Oh, just, um, I, I mean, I don't know, would you count, I mean, suicide, uh, suicide is something that I've always kind of been on the edge yeah. with. Um, Not the actual thing, by the way, just the the, the gimmick of the wrestler. Yeah. Um, you, you're trying to sell a video game and yeah. you've
2: named your central mask character Suicide.
1: Your, your baby
0: face.
2: Yeah. I, I, I just never got that. But yeah. Was it, it was Christopher just... Daniels
1: as, as suicide? It, it started off as Daniels. The yeah. voice in the video game was Ares, I think. No, no, it was no, it was Loki. Maybe I can't remember. I think it was it was Daniels in the suit. Then it was Loki. The Loki was the voice of the video game character um, in the game, and then it went on to numerous other gimmicks, and then it became Manic. Manic was pretty much suicide. Yeah. It's just honestly, this company, man. Um, <laughs> The way they went with that character, like they gave you so many other people. I do want to say one thing. I did enjoy the time, and I said to my girlfriend, I promised I would mention this. In terms of a good, quick uh, thing, I liked when they brought Curry Man into uh, TNA, just because you know the worst gimmick thing of all time, the Feaster Fired thing, which was just yeah. I get what they were trying to do because they're trying to be that edgy of oh this person might get fired and you know oh you never know but when they did it with Daniels and then Daniels came back as Curryman and then they created that Super Justice League with Super Eric and Curryman and Kaz (laughs) Uh, but I did like Curryman, Curryman was an enjoyable kind of bring back but yeah suicide just uh, honestly Oh, I'm that- so annoyed by the idea of that and Black Rain and Black Rain. Mm, I'm yes. sorry, Connie, but Black Rain. It's <sighs> bad because he's
2: in a really bad place at that point in time. He's yeah, Dustin Rhodes, so he's like kind of all over the shop. And as an old WCW fan, like you're thinking, bringing him into the natural <sighs> Dustin Rhodes. Like I thought you were going to say bring him
1: back in his seven. I was like, they're trying to do that in oh, AEW at yeah. this point. I'm
2: trying to do that at the minute, yeah. How about you, Nate? Your worst, <sighs> your worst TNA
1: gimmick.
0: Yeah, there's, there's so many, man. Like, there's there's almost too many to name. Like, uh, I think honorable mention would be, like, Claire Lynch, uh, which was just <laughs> a terrible idea. Like, we're going to have – not only are we going to have an angle where your top baby face is sleeping with the boss, a married woman, but we're also going to have a segment where the boss's husband punches your top baby face – and then we get a weird pregnancy angle with this actress. And again, no shade on the actress. I do feel like the fans went over the line. Like they crossed the line going after this woman in her personal life. But yeah, that, that whole Claire Lynch thing was, was terrible. Uh, nobody looked good. The uh, segment where Dixie Carter literally got on her knees to beg Terry Belaya not to leave the company. Like this company, like the the the... the Insecurity that this company shows on screen, uh, is, is never ceases to amaze me. Uh, like, I think the, the thing with TNA is that they had the best luck and the worst luck when it came to just throwing stuff at the wall. Because some of the crazier ideas that they've done, I really liked. Whether you're talking about the random teaming of New Jack and Shark Boy, which was a thing that. <laughs> That I didn't ask for, nobody asked for, but it kind of worked. Uh, or when you look like oh, later man. on in Impact, where uh, you know we've got all the broken hearty stuff. Like I don't feel like mm. Matt would have been able to do that type of thing in another company other than Impact, which is so used to just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But if I were to say what's the worst, I'd have to go back to the early days of NWA TNA, where they had an angle where it was. I believe it was Brian Christopher feuding with, was it Scott Hall he was feuding with uh, over his girlfriend? like, And yeah, so the story is Brian Christopher is an abusive boyfriend and he's feuding with maybe Scott Hall, maybe Sean Waltman. It's Sean Waltman. He's feuding with Sean Waltman uh, who is being nice to his girlfriend. We get... Other women involved, we get a segment which kind of infers that there was some physical abuse going on. Uh, and then we get like a lot of random, weird, racial and sexual and homophobic jokes sprinkled in. And so I, the reason I'm picking this one is because I feel like that's where, you know, you set the template. Like this is in their first 12 shows that yeah. we're getting this angle. Uh, oh, Bruce is in it as well. Queewee, uh, Angry Allen Funk. Uh, he's in this in a dress as per usual. And so it's like you've got all (laughs) of the worst of Vince Russo storytelling put into one angle and it didn't help anybody. Sean Waltman wasn't elevated. Brian Christopher wasn't elevated. And unfortunately he would pass not long after that. Mm. Uh, You know, any of the women involved weren't elevated. Bruce wasn't elevated. And so it's like, are we doing this, like you said, to respect our audience and reward them? Or are we doing this just to pop, jeff
2: and vince in the back yeah and that's quite often it feels like that doesn't it um yeah carl you've just thinking back on that storyline there's a part of me i won't lie that It's gonna have to go back and watch that and going back and watching those early tnas can be quite a harrowing experience Mm. um uh i was gonna ask in terms of the best of these ones are probably a little bit more simpler the best knockouts champion in tna history Mm. Um, you haven't mentioned that much, and I always think the it's
1: knockout is the knockout. The knockout came Awesome Kong. Yeah, the Gale Kim Awesome Kong feud. I enjoyed also. I enjoyed Taylor Wilde. I enjoyed Chantel Ooh. Taylor's kind of moments in TNA. I felt I kind of gravitated towards that part. I enjoyed the Gale Kim um, part because I say the TNA knockout division didn't come in properly. the The title didn't come into what two thousand and seven maybe or something like yeah. that. 'Cause it was real one of those later ones. Um but they they had Gail had...
2: Kim first, didn't they, and as part of Planet Jarrett. Gail, they
1: did, yeah, Gail Kim was part of Planet Jarrett and Team America's Most Wanted. Um and then because she was because the, the only other people they had was Trinity, who was yes. really an interesting. A character. Woman. Yeah. 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 Trinity, Gail Kim, uh, Goldilocks. Yep, yeah, I think um... later
0: on Jacqueline showed up
1: jackie moore tracy brooks um and then they did the battle royal where they brought in new people and you had yeah. the likes of angelina love velvet sky and then they created the beautiful people roxy Lavo, and stuff like that and then moose knuckles and just all these random <laughs> yeah moose knuckles who well ah uh, well Link Thanks. back to the
2: glory promotion that is IWA Mid-South, isn't
1: I, it? I, I, I was told when I was to come on this podcast not mention IWA Mid-South, so fuck that already, haven't I? Um, uh, but no, yeah, and then they did that. But yeah, I would probably say, I think Gail's going to be up there. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. Mm. I think underneath it, it would probably be, for me, Taylor Wilde, Awesome Kong, kind of within that range. Mm. Because I think that that was another thing. That division didn't really have a... After a time, it just didn't really have a stable point, I think, um, after those ones. But again, there was the, the – because obviously they did the whole uh, beautiful people, Lacey Von Eric, and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, God,
0: yeah, Erich. I think, like, yeah, you know, obviously there, there's been some bad with the knockouts, much like TNA as a whole. But I think yeah. we do have to give credit because if you look yeah. at what the WWE was doing at the time, we're still in the era of hot lesbian action and brawn panties matches. <laughs> And we're really devaluing kind of the women up north. And so, like, I think outside of Shimmer at the time, uh, TNA was really where these women were getting to perform. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you talk about Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, uh, you know, the beautiful people, uh, Sans, Lacey Von Erick, uh, you know, uh, ODB, who was, I think, somebody who was given a chance to kind of shine in Impact where she might not have anywhere mm-hmm. else. Uh, you know, bringing in somebody like Ayako Hamada, who, like, yeah. I, like she was there for a brief moment, but I, I loved her in Impact. I thought they could have done more with her. Uh, I think, you know, two veterans like uh, Mickey James and uh, Tara, Victoria, like, I think they got, like, a new lease on life and a second act in their career that they didn't get because, like, they wouldn't have gotten because the WWE is like, oh, well, you're a woman who's past the age of 30, 35, you got to go. And yeah. they were given this opportunity in TNA and I thought they, they performed well um, in, in TNA. So yeah, like, I think the knockouts, they've had ebbs and flows much like the X division, but it it was a really good place for women to kind of come in and, and, and uh, you know, get TV exposure and, and get uh, to show what they can do. And, and at times like the, I think it was, a main event of uh, impact one week where we had this cage match with Mickey James and Tara. And it was like, yeah, like we're going to show the girls can go out there and kick ass uh, just like the dude. So I, I will give a shout out to the knockouts in terms of the greatest champion. You probably got to go with Gail Kim. Uh, mm. Although again, and like, again, like I don't want to give this woman any more of a big head than she already has, but like Tessa Blanchard was really a, uh, a pleasant surprise when she first came into the company, and was somebody I was really high on until we found out a little bit more about her. Uh, but yeah, like, I th- and even yeah. today, like, if you look at today, where they get, they've got women like, uh, you know, Rosemary and Jessica Havoc and Deanna Parazzo and uh, Tasha Steeles, Like, they've got some good women in the company. You could argue that uh, you know, other than WWE, they've got the best women's roster right now. Certainly better than AEW
1: yeah i think definitely like i think they, they they obviously clearly leaned on shimmer quite a lot in in mm. the kind of older and i think in the older days and that was good because you had likes sort of cheerleader melissa um mm. melissa flash mm. and you had the like I think rain and tna or time in tna was probably much more better than her time in wwe because i think for the parts she was allowed to do a lot more and she wasn't treated like this obviously they did the whole crazy gimmick and then stuff like that and the stevie richard stuff i think she got to kind of branch out on her own a little bit more Mm -hmm. mickey coming back from the time i think she was because obviously she was part of tna in the older days as alexis larry and then came back um their division their women's division at that time when they brought in all these people from Obviously, they'd looked at Shimmer and stuff like that. It was just, it was something fresh. And and as Nate says, we were away from the whole um, if they have tits and ass, they're great uh, or hot lesbian action WWE um, to then go to kind of women actually fighting and then starting off with not only a kind of uh, norm one singular belt, then having the tag belts. It was it was it was such a, it was you know something that we hadn't seen in a women's division so it was was exciting it was that point i mean obviously the knockouts champion tag championships did branch at the end when they had i think the last champions were odb and eric young (laughs) um but then again this is tna everybody (laughs) um
2: it's a good legacy for it to to, for them to kind of it'll be one of the legacies they leave is actually in their own way they kind of inadvertently started what is quote unquote the women's revolution within wwe but it's without them like that kind of then set a template for them what like, as you guys have said of what wwe have ended up following um your best your uh, do you know what I'd, I'd say your favorite x division champion
1: i'll let Nate go first because i need to think for a wee bit here <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah like I, th- I feel like there's so many ways you could go like i thought chris Sabin had a good run uh, continuing my theme of praising people as performers uh, but not as human beings, I think Austin Aries was a fantastic X Division champion. And, like, the introduction of Option C was was a pretty interesting wrinkle that they threw in. Um, you know, kind of some more modern guys. Uh, like, I think Willie, like Willie Mack is one of the most underrated wrestlers in mm. the world. And so for Willie Mack to be getting a chance to, you know, granted it's not, on the same stage as an AEW or a WWE, but you know, for Willie Mac to be putting in work and impact, I think it's, it's been a good thing. Uh Somebody like Chris Bay, like who's this real young kid that's got the whole world in front of him. I think Chris Bay is the future. So it's been good to see him uh in, in that X division. But it, obviously if you have to crown whoever the, the ultimate X division champion is no pun intended again, uh you got to go AJ Styles because this, you know, this is the division that, sits next to the house that AJ Styles built. So, like, all those classic matches with Daniels and with Joe and Jerry Lynn and low-key, like, AJ Styles was a guy who, from the beginning, they saw as a breakout talent. And to their credit, like, unlike with Monty Brown, they actually did pull the trigger with AJ. Granted, they pulled it a lot later than I would have liked them to. Uh, But AJ Styles, to me, is the guy is synonymous with the x division and and so yeah to me he's the greatest champion
1: I mean I would say like I would have to go either styles or sabin mm. I think I would also like to kind of give shout outs to the likes of p Petey williams time as x division champion in the beginning when what? he kept saying the uh, the the canadian destroyer could not be countered um and he was just having good matches and there's like i could name names i could go pd williams amazing red for the times amazing red was champion because i still think this day amazing red is just so innovative um and i think it's the
2: red don west combo oh we've
1: not even talked about the commentators at that point um but red and red and don west pd williams uh senshi and for for some part i keep calling him senshi although it's loki it's that way um yeah, I would. I'd probably me. I'd say I'd have to go with Styles, but I think just the no more. Um, I think of current, I'd probably say maybe Trevor. I'm as a as a performer and not as a person. I'd say Trevor Lee. Mm. I, I really do enjoy kind of some of Trevor Lee's work. Um, but yeah, I'd probably have to go with Styles, I, just the no more out with Saban. Okay.
2: Uh, finally, your favorite world champion
1: i can't see him i can't see him because yeah, if i see to... him i'm not seeing jeff go on if i say jeff it completely dis- disproves everything i said before it, it, he's the greatest
2: worker and that's the ultimate work is you know yeah. you're being worked <laughs> by him but you still go with it that's the power he has he was on the tlc pre-show the other day he's How, everywhere going. no reason but
1: here he is. he's everywhere though. He just honestly, um, he was
2: on an SWS show. show the first one that Tenru set up. There's no business being there. But, uh, hey, sorry.
1: He's the man. He's the man who put new Japan on the map in, in America oh, because, because global force were the first yeah. to show, you know, new Japan in America. I would say I thought that, that, I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Jeff because I just think that during the times it was Japan. just, uh, I have to stick to the gimmick as well, kind of, don't I? Um, I think he was just honestly for some of the things he did, it was it was an entertaining spell for me at points because he had he was the one who had the most longevity with it. Um, I because I obviously he decided to put it on it put it on himself. Um, in terms of current day, uh, I enjoyed EC3 uh, as champion. I thought EC3 winning the belt was was good. Um, and having it having that reign, I think. Going into kind of even more, I mean, the thing is, I couldn't really name um current TNE. Well, I know Rich Swan. I think is the champion at the moment. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, he's an upgrade on what they've had for quite some time. There's an interesting yeah. story there, and he's back sort of fully fit. So I think there's there's stuff there that, and to be honest, he's one of the few who's going to have a good match with Kenny Omega.
1: Yeah, AJ AJ winning the belt at points was when AJ won the belt, kind of for the first time in a while. When it was like in two thousand, and kind of, and all the fans jumped into ring and celebrated. I thought that was a good moment, but I think with AJ, didn't get a lot of kind of nothing. Kind of sparked after it, Mm. which again is the same with Jeff because Jeff's title defenses were all just heelish bullshit. I have to win. I haven't even mentioned
2: King of the Mountain either, have we?
1: (laughs) What what a concept. yeah and I think another one I'd say Bobby Roode's reign mm, when yeah. Storm yeah. won the belt uh, and then the the whole feud with Beer Money I, I think mm. Bobby as I said beer, the Beer Money breakup and feud was one of the best TNA had I thought Roode was a good champion because he just carries himself you knew from the moment that he left Team Canada and became the free agent and then you had the likes of they brought in Heenan they brought in Sonny uh, and all these other people to try and convince him to be there, uh, to be his um, manager, and then he went out with Tracy Brooks anyway in the end. You just knew he had some kind of appeal that that was going to... He was going to be one of the world champions at one point, and he was going to be really kind of... He could have been the face, but yeah, I enjoy his run. So him, Jeff, and when AJ won the belt that one time... God damn it, Jeff <laughs> And King of the Mountain <laughs> is an interesting concept. That was another thing I liked about TNA, and this is I won't go into too much. Their their innovation for stuff um in terms of uh, match types was was something that in, people
2: intro interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's probably the uh, politest way of
1: saying a <laughs> way of telling me it's shit, but it's fine. Remember they had yes. to reverse royal at one point. It's yes. This that's company never is
0: a, never a good idea. One how, of the worst
2: How, how about you, Nate?
0: All good choices, like uh, Bobby Roode, obviously, you know, any any feud that brings out lacrosse, all-star, hall of famer, Tracy Kaluski to tell the backstory of, of his friendship with Bobby Roode, like that's that's a winner in my book. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, obviously like the historical importance, like you, you got to give him a, a tip of the cap. I would say a couple honorable mentions, uh, you know, the man that does this, that does that, he's as big as a bull and he's as quick as a cat, the man called Sting, because I feel like, yeah. Sting gave legitimacy at points to TNA, uh, particularly like when he first came in uh, where we hadn't seen this man since WCW, unless you were buying those, you know, WWA or the Rodman down under DVDs, you know, unless you were buying stuff like that, you hadn't seen Sting performing a ring. And so Sting coming to TNA and saying that it was his brand. Like, I think that gave the company legitimacy. Uh AJ Styles, another good choice. But I will say my favorite – one of my favorite champions because it it speaks to two points that I've always liked about TNA. Number one is we don't care about – or TNA doesn't care about where you come from, like we'll try something if we see enough in you, like with EC3, you know, Mm -hmm. because he could have just been Derek Bateman 2.0 in Impact, and instead – They hitched him to Dixie Carter. They hitched him to Rockstar Spud. And we got, like, some of the best work. I mean, I don't even think it's questionable. Like, that Mm. was the best work of this guy's career, was that stretch in TNA. Uh, And another person along those lines is Bobby Lashley. Uh, And I think that Mm. what Impact did with Bobby Lashley was so important, not only because they showed that, you know, we can kind of take somebody that is either felt like they're washed up or they're a WWE castaway, and we can rehabilitate them. But also it showed like, yeah, we're not, we're not scared to put the belt, like our top belt on a black guy, which is something that at times I feel that WWE has been hesitant to like with, even with Kofi mania, that was a situation where all the right stars had to align and you know, they had to be dragged kicking and screaming by the audience to give us that big moment and Daniel Bryan. Like, I got to want to leave mm. out the fact that Daniel Bryan actually went to bat for Kofi behind the scenes for the, for that match to happen. So like the fact that impact, yes, they missed the ball on Monty Brown, but we had Ron killing as an NWA champion. You know, we had, uh, you know, somebody like uh, the Pope who wasn't a world champion, but mm. they made the Pope so important when he first came in versus D'Angelo De Niro in the WWE. And so, like with Bobby Lashley, MVP, Kenny King, like that group was so fresh. And it was like a like we're seeing it now in the hurt with the Hurt business. Like this is base Hurt business is basically the BDC 2.0. Uh, yeah. but just kind of giving Bobby Lashley this chance to shine and presenting him as this MMA guy and letting MVP be his mouthpiece. Like, I love the Lashley title run like the fact that this dude is kicking kicking people's asses wearing a headband that never comes off during the match was just awesome so uh yeah like Bobby Lashley he's not the most important champion in impact history but he's probably my favorite
2: yeah that's a very very good shout that one for, for Bobby Lashley because he kind of came out as well it was always the thing as well but people saying he's not a very good promo and I was like yep. He's good. He's fine. Like, I don't know. He he kind of felt so much more of himself. And I've got a soft spot for the weird MMA angle they had with American Top. Yeah, that wasn't, was that wasn't bad at all. That was bad at all. I laughed when they smashed up the place and I was like, why isn't the receptionist not calling the place? They've just that, smashed an MMA gym. That storyline
1: um, is the reason why Colby Covington exists. Um, yeah, yeah. Very that's very weird they went, right, this is how you want to become like a heel. This is where you want Ooh. to do your promos, mate. Um oh god, I just remember it, that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no no. V- v- oh colby covington
1: um so
2: to to finish up thank you for all of that we've gone down lockdown memory lane but i just want to ask you guys sort of where do you think and we haven't used the name all night but where do you think impact is at this point what do you what are your thoughts on the AEW storyline for where it is at this point in time and really where do you kind of see them over the next year can you can you see them getting some kind of momentum um who would like to go first
1: um, I, I think with uh, I mean obviously the first time that Omega appeared, they got a ratings bump, or they got a bump in viewers, and they got a spike in viewers. Um, and I I don't see that being a. It's not like it's not like AEW are taking a massive risk by this because again they're just giving another company uh, that kind of is it has a name, people know it. There are fans of it who have been. On and off the wagon, numerous times, um, and it's kind of giving some kind. Of, it's giving something that's interesting that people are wanting to find out about. Um, so I don't think it. I think it. It's for impact. They have nothing to lose. Um, mm. They're just. They'll take it. They'll see how they go and they see what they can get out from it. Mm. I mean, with Callis, with Callis being in the position of high position there and Demure. Um, it's just we'll see what we'll see what happens again there's a lot down the line to kind of see where they're going with this they're basically it seems like aw are putting omega in this position where he's becoming fanos and he wants to collect all the belts um cool. and i think obviously starting off with impact which you know it, it's a thing but we I, I see you you get obviously you have everyone tweeting their fantasy dream matches of wanting to have like uh, the women's division, because obviously AW has been very heavily and rightfully at points criticized for the way it's booked its women's division. You're wanting to see the likes. The people are now wanting to go see the likes of Jordan Grace there, and it kind of helps out. Because I say, AW's women division is what, well, NWA plus the ones they've got there, and then obviously adding TNA's ones, you know, it doesn't harm. Anything, if they decide to use a lot more of it, obviously with T- with the tag division, you've got the box, and then you've got the box who've had their time in TNA, and then you've got the machine guns who're f- firing in all cylinders. So you could go and do that match again. So, you know, if it's if it's not, it's like I think I saw some mentioning it to like kind of CZ the CZW ROH feud because obviously the majority of the work on that was done on one company, which was fine, because if you have it back and forth consistently, it's just gonna people are gonna get confused as which one they want to watch get a mess, can't it? yeah, um, so I mean it's nothing, there's, there's no harm in it, TNA impact Global Force. <laughs> at one point. Uh, That's what shiver. the real
2: hardcore fans call it. Global Force
1: Wrestling. <laughs> we watched that 27-minute video and we've still. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like <laughs> it's a company that, regardless of what happens, it finds a way to live. Um, as Jess Goldblum yeah. says in Jurassic Park, "Life uh, finds a way." In wrestling sense, TNA finds a way. Um, you know, there's been so much that they've gone through. You know, they've done, they've went, they've they've had risks before. They've done stuff like ring kicking. They did stuff like that time they had that NASCAR TNA show, which <laughs> never picked up. Um, Is that, that
2: all wheels wrestling?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they the micro amount...
0: yeah.
2: championship wrestling. The amount I'm...
0: of uh, the amount of checks that NASCAR drivers and country music singers got out of this damn company. Hermie Sadler,
1: Toby Keith. Hey, not only them as well, because I remember they did that TNA conjunction with Jackass at one point <laughs> to, uh, oh. to promote the movie. Um, they had NFL players. They had the the yep. great the greatest champion we've not talked about of all time, Pac-Man Jones. Yes. Never took a bump. Legendary. Oh. Through yeah. a football for a football, won a tag belt. Where uh, is he these days? He is, I think, I don't think he's playing. I, I would be very surprised. I would surprised be, playing. He's be playing
2: football. Uh, he was on
0: a roster last year. I'm not sure this year with all the COVID. If anybody oh, okay. picked him up.
1: But like, that was another thing. Like, they had him, they had, uh, they had, they had baseball players. Like, I remember they had AJ Pruszynski at some point um uh, and they just honestly the many celebrities they're in TNA or the many celebrities that he had I remember they had Danny Bonaduce once which probably Nate will only get the celebrity maybe but um yeah, yeah. Uh, sick,
0: but I know I know folks were waiting Pac-Man Jones retired last year so uh yeah he was active through 2019.
2: oh right yes he was playing was he playing for the central Michigan Chippewas uh, I can
0: see <laughs> on here. Just, oh. just uh just barely like he, he was the last team he played for was the broncos and he got released <laughs> oh i'm
2: gonna sure. be finding that Pac-Man jones theme to put it, that's either. that's it no way to treat a former world champion <laughs> it really isn't
1: i remember when tna did a major announcement they said one oh, a major star is coming back to the company a former tna world champion <laughs> and everyone was like <laughs> I don't know who it could be. Who could it be? And then it was like, it's Pac-Man Jones, a man who was only a <laughs> TNA tag team champion, not a world champion. Uh, yeah. Um, And didn't take a single bump, because I remember think they were like, because he got suspended from the NFL or something like that for some kind of uh some kind of Was it p- gambling? I know, like did that. he shoot
2: something?
0: He in the was always in
2: trouble. Yeah. Um, But oh, yeah, but- Sorry to interrupt. If I could say though, one of the good things about it is when he no showed, he was replaced by Consequences Creed. Yep, yeah. obviously he's Austin Creed, um, and then ends up going to um and, and it obviously ends up going to, to WWE as Xavier Woods. And I think in some ways if it isn't for Pac Man Jones bizarrely, does yep. that opportunity happen? and look no. where he is for Christ. Yeah, yeah. Cuz if,
0: if you listen to the uh, New Day pod uh, uh Woods talks about that. Like that was around the time where he was thinking about quitting wrestling cuz he wasn't progressing the way he thought he would and and Devon Dudley of all people the good reverend told him to keep at it. And then yeah. lo and behold he gets this shot because of Pac-Man Jones and now you know he he was off to the races after that.
1: Yeah and then, but like you see him in in Saran Tiani uh, um in certainly any episodes, you see him in the front row, you see Creed in the front row, because, you know, it's it's just wild, yeah. Like, without Pac-Man Jones, we wouldn't have Consequences Creed, uh, who then came out dressed up like, obviously... Creed from uh, uh, Rocky. Creed. Yeah. yeah and it's just yeah and and that's one of the things like it's just that company has the stars it's elevated they've then went off to other companies and done extremely well mm. like youth talent yeah but yeah I can't even remember what we were talking about before this
2: <laughs> well again it, it was about sort of
1: where TNA is oh, at the moment and so where, we went where, from where... that to Pac-Man Jones great hey, um,
2: it yeah. the nature of a podcast like it was always going to happen as
1: it's, it's a company that structures say, be damned it finds a way it, it finds a way to survive they've got the canadian base and it, it seems like those people scott demore will be the last man there with the mm. lights out and then jeff will come back in and turn the lights on um and then tell vince i've got this great project i want to do again um and probably you know find a way to survive it, it's gonna survive like the times it's almost ended and yet come back you know there's they'll they find a way
0: yeah yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback off of that, Eddie, because yes, if, if TNA, we've learned nothing about TNA uh, since 2002, it's that they are a survivor. Like, like Beyonce said, they're not going to give up. <laughs> they're not going to stop. They're just going to work harder. Uh, now, hard work doesn't necessarily mean good work. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, the, that's kind of the story of TNA, where I think that right now, you know, I gave the analogy earlier of your buddy that just was like this constant screw up. And now, you know, TNA like they they they've gotten away from the clan. They they kicked Terry to the curb. They <laughs> they you know, got their alcoholism under control. Uh, they've got a decent job. Like it's not a great job like they're they you know, they they're, you know, delivering newspapers or they running a lemonade stand. You know, they can yeah. barely pay the rent, but it's good to see, you know, you you, you see it's your friend's like, Yeah, like it's good to see Bob back on his feet again. Like it's good to see TNA yeah. Impact Wrestling back on their feet again and I feel like this deal with AEW, like this co-mingling, this interaction is interesting because TNA, while you could say like there's not a lot for them to gain out of this because obviously AEW is going to be presented as the superior company, like I'd say, what, what do they have to lose, you know? I think that we saw a couple of weeks ago where their Twitch stream was increased, you know, almost tenfold because of the interest in the Kenny Omega story. Uh, and so I think TNA is or Impact Wrestling's in this position now where it's not in danger of losing a network because, hell, we own the network. You know, it's not in danger of, you know, losing money and going bankrupt, but it's also not really in a position to flourish. And so they're stuck, right? Like they're not going to be WWE. They're not going to be a W they're not going to be new Japan. Like right now they're to me, they're on par, maybe a little bit elevated over ROH or MLW. Like they're kind of, they're, they're the line, you know, they used to cross the line. Now they are the line, right? Like if you're above impact wrestling, like you're a damn good company. You know, you're AEW, you're in New Japan, AAA, uh WWE. If you're below the line, you got some work to do. And so I feel like they're a place where I'm glad they still exist as somebody that's been a fan of this, this company over the years. I'm glad that the doors are still open. The lights are still on because, you know, we just mentioned somebody like Austin Creed, where would he be if not for that time in TNA and you know, looking at the roster right now, like somebody like the North or somebody like, mm. uh, you know, Chris Bay, like where where can they be in five years from now? Like this time in TNA might be the, the springboard, the launching pad for them to go further in their career. And so I feel like if all TNA is from here on out is a company that owns their own TV, so they've always got a product on. And they give guys and girls a place to work and earn a living and maybe go on to do something greater. You know, that's that's a good place for our troubled, alcoholic, can't get right friend to kind of end up where now he's not being a detriment to society. He's actually helping society.
1: And that's the thing it brings up. Sorry, it's you know, the likes of, you know, you see likes of Chris Bay, you want to see him go further, you know, the rascals have just been Mm, signed, mm -hmm. you know, there are people in there, you know, people have had renaissances where they've left the big company, left the Connecticut, went went to kind of Nashville and Florida and wherever it was at that time, developed their own thing, kind of become their own person, Christian left, Mm -hmm. came back, became the main event guy, was then re-signed, Lashley, the same. Yep.
0: Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Drew McIntyre is not world champion right now in the WWE if not for that time in TNA.
1: Gabe Sapolsky might disagree with you on that because he can claim, can claim everything, but yeah <laughs> no, you're, you're completely right. Um the, Is that ground now where you're not going. You you polish up your skills because you're working in front of TV cameras. You're working on mm. all that stuff, um, and you're kind of working with other people. You're you're kind of you know. I say they own their own stuff, but you can try stuff out. There's no mm. harm. And, and you know there is the broken toys. The people who WWE will want nothing to do with um and there will be the ones that like michael elgin when he was there and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone will touch sammy callahan with a barge pole but then that's just me um (laughs) and they have these broken toys and then they have these young and -and up-and-comers who can then develop themselves and then when they go for their eventual connecticut tryout or they go to jacksonville um they can, you know, they've 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 got the experience there. It is a feeder comp It is a feeder promotion. It's yeah. a feeder club. If we're talking football manager terms, mm. it used to be at point something where you would want to. No one would. No one would. I don't think anyone would say, "I want to stay in TNA and I want to be there forever." Um, maybe now I don't think they would. Maybe previously, before when it was like the Spike TV and stuff like that. Yeah. Potentially, obviously, every every wrestler's dream is to go work at WrestleMania, not bound for glory. Um, (laughs) but you know you had the people there yeah a crime who wouldn't want to work down for glory and be the main event have you you truly done
0: anything in your career if you haven't main evented against all odds
1: yeah that's
2: true (laughs) (laughs) The Rock hasn't I I still think that nags him to this day (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: Listen, you've never made it until you've been put uh, until you faced Jeff Jarrett and had to deal with his bullshit and how to book a match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a company that will just, as it thrives, it'll carry on. Uh, it'll, I mean, thrive. It'll thrive in its own bubble, um, and it will just get. It'll pick up the new. Pe- it'll pick up new people, develop them, polish them, send them off, and bring in the next.
2: <laughs> and luckily for us, it's still going on. We still get to see these kind of fresh talent on there. I still get to be infuriated by it at least once every two weeks when I decide to watch it and then somebody can, Gareth on un- un- or go, look at the ratings for this. It looks quite good. Should we watch it? Yeah, of course I'll watch it because it's TNA. And I can't quit TNA. And I like to think I speak for you guys say that as well. It's just no. something we can't quit. It's It's there for the long haul. On that note, thank you both so much for coming along with this i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i had so much fun doing this um and in some ways i feel like it's also almost like a therapy session as well which is partly <laughs> the intention that, that i was certainly going for here
1: if we're um, going by the way nate's looking at it it's that therapy session where, the, where you're finally taking the person to therapy yep. and you're getting all out uh, and you're <laughs> speaking directly to how you feel yeah. about that yes. drunk yeah. individual yeah. and like
2: You're not sure for the future at all, but you're just glad that it seems all right at this particular moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guys, uh, Eddie, have you got anything to plug at all? Anything? Um, anything to, where can the good people find you?
1: They can find me at, at Eddie Sideburns, where my name is Eddie Sideburns, uh, member of Team Jarrett. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's all. Um, over, the only other thing I'd promote is the Alan 4L podcast with Galazza Dam, which we kind of delved into certain matches and mm-hmm. picked about what we really enjoyed about TNA's X Division and stuff. So, yeah. And that's, and, and that's on PW Torch? That's on PW Torch, yep.
0: Hmm
2: fantastic brother nate how about you uh what have you got to plug how many how many podcasts are you on over this festive
0: season <laughs> hey, you know I'm, I'm trying to be the jeff jared of podcasts i'm just trying to yes. finesse finesse as many shows <laughs> as i can but uh i appreciate you having me on brother this was fun kind of reminiscing about the 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 good quote-unquote old days of tna um, yep. uh on that point real quick before we uh before i plug my stuff uh uh, r.i.p to barry scott who was like mm. the voice yes, yes. of tna for so many of those classic shows that passed away this year like just like you knew it was going to be like you didn't know if the show was going to be good when when barry gave you that intro but you knew you were going to be there you know just tonight on tna like i don't know what's going to happen but i'm going to watch and so uh, he felt so he, he
2: sounded so major quality Sorry yes are up there he's he just like Where'd they get this guy from? He sounds incredible. Why is he working for TNA?
0: Yeah, like, the, the presentation, like, and again, like, we, we talked about the commentators briefly. Like, I think, like, Don West is somebody who gets a lot of crap, but I love Don West's enthusiasm, you know, mm. for the product. Uh, Mike Tenay, somebody that, I, like, I still wish Mike Tenay was calling wrestling the day. Uh, mm. uh, so, like, yeah, like, uh, just... Shout out to Barry Scott and, and some of those old names for TNA. But uh, if you want to hear me talk about new names in the world of wrestling, WWE, Impact, AEW, whatever, uh, you can check out my work at Place to Be Nation, place to be nation.com, where I'm one third of the main event. Uh, we're a bi weekly show talking about, you know, we call it the six pack, the big six in pro wrestling, WWE, Impact, AEW, uh, New Japan triple a and it was the nwa but who knows right now considering uh the state of the nwa and that man billy corgan billy corgan like let's not forget billy corgan had a season (laughs) in tna like the mismanagement (laughs) the the fact that tna is still alive like not to steal a line from hamilton but it's like the fact that you're alive is a miracle to stay alive won't that be enough because like yeah lord knows between Dixie and Hogan and Bischoff and Jared and Billy Corgan this company should have been dead lots of times over the over the years zombie company
1: when, yeah. when they changed when they changed the name to global force and felt it was all fine and you were like <laughs> right okay and then suddenly like nope we gotta go back to impact because there's a lawsuit here and we've not officially completed the purchase yet and then Billy Corgan uh, smashing uh-huh. pumpkins being involved and he was just honestly it, it was oh, yes. oh
0: like, man. yeah like yeah
2: the and fact like, that- we get post-wrestling as well, can I say? Uh, yeah, oh gonna- yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because Anthem comes in and, and destroys the law. And but again, like out of out of that chaos becomes uh, something that is beautiful, and that is post-wrestling, which is another network I'm associated with. Uh John and Way and all the good people over there. Uh I've got the Rocky My Picture Show, which is uh mm podcast chronicling the filmography of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, We'll be back in January with our first episode of the new year where uh, we'll be talking about Fast and Furious 7. So uh, uh, this has been a fun show, just kind of talking about DJ's film career and bringing on different guests to uh, watch these films with me. Um, And of course, the Kings of Sport, the Kings of Sport podcast. Is uh like my mothership, my home base, myself and Marcus Vanderburg. We got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door for over a hundred hours of content, audio and video. And you know, we've got wrestling stuff on there, political shows, uh MCU reviews, uh for, for the Marvel fans out there. So we got a lot of stuff over at the Patreon. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter. At in the number eight, M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic, and you'll get all the links to all those shows, you know, the Black Lightning podcast, just a bunch of all this stuff that I do. Like, my ultimate goal, Eddie, like, this is all leading somewhere. Like, un- unlike Vince Russo, I'm long term booking. This is all leading <laughs> yeah. up to the moment where, you know, I can ascend and embrace. My inner Conrad Thompson, and launched the Global Force Wrestling Podcast Network, with, with where I do like ten shows. Like I got a show with Jeff Jarrett, I got a
1: show with Karen Jarrett, I got a show. <laughs> Jarrett, got a show... <laughs> You've got a twenty-seven-minute video on all of them, which is about yeah. you talking about the gold. And I got then... a show with uh Mr. Pectacular
0: because he needs to be on the show. <laughs> oh wow! Yes, God, remember God, Mr. All Pectacular.
1: Of... Wow. Done <laughs> done all need... about him. See, when we're talking about gut like, check. He was
0: bloody hard, that guy.
1: Oh, yeah, he...
0: yeah. I talked to him once on a, on one of my old shows, and, like, he was really nice. I think this was around the time when Global Force, all that stuff was kicking around, and he was really nice and really, like, friendly, but, like, I don't, I don't think he or anybody knew what the hell they had in store for him with Global Force. No, no oh, not at all. God. And Global Force. Thank you both
2: so much. You can find us. We've got a sh- another show on uh, this Sunday. Um, it's probably going to be a drunken extravaganza live on YouTube where we're going through sort of, you know, taking in questions, sort of slight review of the year. An excuse to basically cut loose during lockdown, I think, and, and we don't really need one at that point. Ooh. No, that no, Arsenal will have lost again by that stage.
0: Oh, this this should have been the year for TNA with everybody in lockdown. They could have monetized that pay-per-view just <laughs> every month is locked down. <laughs>
2: exactly. Oh again, another opportunity. We're throwing it out to them and they missed out on it. I can't believe it. Just uh, drop the ball. Drop the ball. Uh, <laughs> Thank you all so much. You can find me on Twitter at JPGP3Es. And obviously you can get Grapple Spotlight. But if any of these matches, uh, anything back on Impact, you can find them on the Grapple app as well if you download. Rate and review all of this as well. Thank you all so much. I'll see you all soon.